0: Welcome to Hope. We're so glad you're here. How many of you are excited about the Summer Olympics coming up in just a few weeks? Are you excited? Excited about that? Yeah, I am so excited. Even, uh, even being Canadian, we were excited about the Summer Olympics. It's a short season, you got about three weeks to train, but uh, uh, I love the Summer Olympics. I just loved watching it growing up. We all have our, our favorite events, don't we? How many of you love swimming? Swimming, yeah, okay. How many of you love uh, track and field? Track and field. So, track and field? Gymnastics? Gymnastics, a lot of gymnastics people, yeah. How about table tennis, did you? That's a a legit, yeah. How about trampoline? Uh, Serious, that's a legit, yeah, that's in there. That's an Olympic sport. I'm pretty sure I heard cornhole and beer pong might also be added this year. Um, At which point, yeah, some of you are like, hey, I might be able to qualify for that. Bunch of sinners in this church, unbelievable. Uh, Right? But I love I love the Olympics. I I really do. I love the stories of the Olympics. I love the stories of athletes as you as you hear of of their backstories going into it and then the accomplishments um, that happened during I I remember uh, well I don't remember, but but reading about and watching highlights of uh, of Jesse Owens, right, who won four golds in the 1936 Olympics, and and this is what's been said about him, the greatest athlete in the history of track and field, right? Like, how great would that be to have have that name, like that moniker after you. Um, how many of you remember Mary Lou Retton? Remember Mary Lou, where she landing, sticking that landing on, on one leg, right, for a perfect 10, the come from behind gold medal, right? We love stuff like that. Uh, Flojo, Florence Griffith Joyner, remember her? She had the, the nails. She is still listed as the fastest woman. Of all time, how cool is that, right? I would I would knock Vistaprint out of business. I would have business cards. I'd just be handing them out everywhere. Fastest woman of all time. Fastest woman of all time, right? I mean, this is so cool. Uh, and then obviously Michael Phelps. We know Michael Phelps' story, and and uh, um, he is the most decorated Olympic athlete ever in the history of the Olympics. 22 medals. He's coming back this year to try and win more. And I'm pretty sure he's a millennial. So if he's got 22 Olympic medals, and that means he probably has about 10,000 participation trophies, right? Because that's 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 what those millennials do. Everybody's a winner, right? And so I don't know where he stores all of those, but I just, I love, I love the stories of that. I remember reading about an athlete, um, Shawnee Davis. He's actually a a speed skater, an American speed skater. Um, But I remember reading one day about his training regimen and what he does. And it said that he would train four to six hours every single day. That he would ride his bike through canyons, and then he would lift weights, and then, of course, he would skate every single day. And I I thought about that, and I'm like, most of us don't train four to six hours a month, right, in the gym, let alone four to six hours every single day. And the sacrifices that they make, they give up vacations, they give up their social lives, they give up Netflix, right? It just seems cruel and unusual to me, but, but I love the dedication of these athletes, because they have one goal, one goal, and that is to be the best, right? It's to be the best. It is to win. And, and, and I, I love that, right? I love when I, you see them on the podium and, and they're, they're placing medals around their, their necks, right? The tears coming down their che- cheeks as their national anthem is being played. It's such an incredible, incredible moment. And what I love too is that not only are they competing for their individual events, right? They're not only trying to be the best that they can be, But they're also representing their country and everything that they do contributes to the overall count for the country as well. And I love that because I think that is such a perfect picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, of what the life of a follower of Jesus should look like. Because if we're honest, we all want to have a significant life, right? We all want to have a life that at the end we can say, man, my life mattered. My life made a difference in someone's world, right? Like my life was hashtag winning, right? We all want that in our lives. We want that for our marriages. If we're not married yet, you have dreams of what that marriage is going to look like. If you are married, you're, you're still hope, right? You want your marriage to be like the ones on TV or in the movies, right? You, you want that marriage. For those of us that have families, right? We want the perfect kids. You want the, your kid to score the winning goal in soccer and, and then make it to, to science camp. You want them to be on the honor roll and, and then get into the, the right college, right? Whichever you define that by, whether it's red or baby blue or Duke blue or whatever color that is, right? But, but you want them in the right school. You want them to be a the and Really what you want is you want the bumper sticker on the back of your car that says, my kid is greater than yours, right? We all want that. We want the perfect job. We want the perfect career where we feel like we're changing the world and making a difference. Where we're making some cash. Really, we want that job that everybody else in our life goes. I'm so jealous of your job, right? Like you got the greatest career in the world. You're like, yeah, I know. We want the house. We want the car, the boat, the trips. We want all those things. So our Facebook page looks awesome, right? We want these things. We even even our looks. We want to win in our looks. We all want to be tall and thin and freshly shaven. We all. We all want that. Don't we? Most of us. Some of us? Anyways, doesn't matter. We all have accomplishments in our lives that we want to achieve, right? We want to have a winning life. I have never heard anyone ever get up in the morning and say, Man, I hope today is mediocre, right? I hope I'm average today. I hope I just barely get by. No one, no one ever says that. We want to be successful, we want to win. But here's the reality. The reality is this, is that we all have dreams that one day, right, we're going to be standing on our version of that podium and everybody is going to be acknowledging us, acknowledging our careers or our marriages or the way that we lived our lives. We all have those moments where, where people are going to recognize us, but the reality is, is that most of our lives, if we're honest, really turn out a little bit more like this. Check out this video. I mean, if I'm honest, uh, too often my life feels a lot more like that than it feels like I'm winning in my life. But here's the deal. If we want to have that winning life, then we need to talk about some things, and and we're going to talk about what I think is the the key to it, and the key to a winning life is commitment. It's commitment. Now, we need to define or redefine, I think, the definition of a follower. You see, our culture, I think, has this all backwards and kind of messed up. In our culture, a follower right, is someone who watches and cheers, someone who watches from a distance. So you think about the Olympics, right? We're going to watch the Olympics. None of us are going to train, right, for the Olympics. We're just going to watch it and cheer it on. You think of your favorite sports team, right? And you wear the jersey, and you paint your face, and you've got flags on your home and bumper stickers on your car. But you don't play. You don't contribute to the team. In no way are you helping them. But but we're fan, we're followers, right, of that team. We wear all the stuff on social media. We're followers of all kinds of people who are going on great vacations and living incredible lives and. We, we like, 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 like all of that stuff, but it's not impacting us. We're not living those experiences. And so I think we have it backwards. I don't, think, I don't think that's the proper definition of a follower. I think that's a better definition of a fan, right, of a fan. I love how author Kyle Eidelman put it in his book, Not a Fan. He said this, fans want to have just enough pleasure without having to risk feeling any pain, right? Is that not true? We want all the pleasure, right? But we don't want to risk anything. We don't want it to take up too much effort. We don't want to make the, the sacrifices. We want a relationship with Jesus, right? We know that's important. It's not that we don't want that. We want it. We just don't want it to cost us very much. He went on to say this. I'll follow you, referring to Jesus, as long as things are good and you hold up your end of the deal. I'll follow you as long as you don't ask too much of me. We're afraid to passionately pursue him with our whole hearts because we know that if we make a commitment like that, we're putting ourselves on the line. It will require our energy and our time and money. So what if, what if in this series over the next few weeks, we were able to change some of those things? What if we were able to change some of our fears, some of our, our perceptions, some of our reservations about what it means to, to really follow Jesus with all of our lives? What if we could, through this series, um, provide some ways that, that we could help improve our relationships? What if we could find a more sense of confidence for ourselves and, and, and understand our identity and what it's found in a relationship with Jesus? What if through this series we could uh, be wiser with our finances? And what if we could get the kind of story that we are so proud of and that we want other people to follow along with? So if you're here right now and you would say, Donia, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a follower of Jesus. That's Okay. That's okay. In fact, I'm glad you're here. And, and I think in this message and in this series, I think there's a couple great things that are going to come from it. You're going to get a chance to see what a follower of Jesus should look like. And you can do with that whatever you want. If you want to use that to judge Christians better, you go ahead and do that. But, but maybe for some of you, you're here because you're checking this thing out and you're going, okay, if, it's, if this is what it's going to be to, to follow Jesus, I want to see what this life is going to cost me. For some of us, we're here today and, and we're, we're just a fan of God. And we don't even, we didn't even know that, right? Walking in, we, we didn't realize walking in that we're just a fan. But as we take a look at this passage in, in just a minute, we might realize that, that maybe we, we just kind of like Jesus. And maybe in this series, we can cross that line from moving from just liking Jesus to being a, a follower of Jesus, fully committed in that. For some of us, we are a follower, and in this series, I think it's going to be a chance for us to lean in closer in our relationship with God and then invite other people to join us, invite other people to follow as we help make disciples, as we make other followers. You see, the question today is, are you a fan or are you a follower? As you read through the Gospels, you're going to find example after example where Jesus puts people in a position where they need to make a choice. Sometimes there were large crowds that followed him, like in Luke chapter 14 and John chapter 6. And, and when these crowds came around Jesus, what he would do is he would, he would preach a sermon. He would teach them. And, and every single one of those times, he would put them in a place where they had to determine if they were going to be fans of Jesus or if they were going to be an actual follower of Jesus. You see, Jesus was never impressed with the, the size of the crowd. What impressed Jesus was the commitment level of the people that were following him. See, a concern that I have with, with churches today, with our church, maybe even church in, in North America, and sometimes I think we gather together, and, and I think there's a possibility that instead of us being a, a community of followers, that too often we act like a, a stadium full of fans. We'll wear a cross, but we don't want to bear our cross. Right? We will come to church, we'll sing the songs We may bring a Bible and, and open it up right? we'll, we'll pray before we eat lunch right? we, we do all of those things We've got a, a Jesus fish on, on our car But that doesn't necessarily make us a, a follower of Jesus Jesus describes the relationship that he wants to have with us And he's going to make it very, very clear for us but, but I want this to be clear as well What we're talking about today and what we're going to talk about in this series, this is nothing to do with earning your salvation. This isn't about earning a relationship with Jesus. That's not what this is about. What we're assuming in this is that if you have already done that, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have accepted the grace of God through Jesus, then you're already saved. You have a relationship with him. What we're going to talk about in this series is what happens from that moment on as we live our lives, as we follow him. And for some of us that are just fans of Jesus, this is going to sound maybe a little crazy. If you have your Bible, I would love for you to turn with me to Luke chapter nine. Luke chapter nine. If you don't have your Bible, uh, you're going straight to hell. Uh, And so I'm just kidding. Or am I? You don't have a Bible, so you can't check it out to see if I'm I am or not. I, I really am I'm kidding. We are going to have it up on the side screen so you can follow along there. Uh, Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 23, it, it says this. Then he said to them, this is Jesus talking, he says, then he said to them all, and let's just stop there just for a second because I want to I make sure that we have the, the context and we know exactly um, what it is that, that we're talking about in the history and the background here. Um, Jesus is hanging out with his 12 disciples, right? He's hanging out with his 12 followers, his 12 closest friends. Uh, Maybe there's some others that are hanging around on on the fringe in this story, but Jesus sends them out. He sends out his 12, and he says, I want you to go out, and I want you to serve people. I want you to meet their needs. I want you to make a a difference, an impact in in your communities, and so they go out, and they begin to do incredible things, and people start to notice, right, and they've heard about Jesus, and they're seeing what these disciples are doing, and so a crowd begins to gather, and the disciples go back to Jesus, and this crowd follows, and it says that Jesus then takes this crowd, they go out to a, a hillside, and he begins to to teach them. In fact, it says that there were about 5,000 men in this crowd, so we have no idea how many women and children were there as well. This is a a large, large crowd of people, and Jesus has been teaching them for a while. It says that they begin to get tired, and they begin to get hungry, and so Jesus decides to feed them, and he he takes the the lunch of a a little boy, and and he does a miracle, and, and he feeds all of these people in this crowd, right? It's an incredible thing, And so Jesus grabs his 12 followers, his 12 disciples, his 12 closest friends, and he separates from the crowd, and and he begins to ask them a couple questions. And the first question he says is, what are people saying about me? Like, what's trending on Twitter about me? Am I trending up? Am I trending down? Like, what's going on? And and so the disciples are like, well, here's what people think, and some of them think this, and some of them are saying that. and, And Jesus is like, okay, that's great, but here's the real question that I have. What do you think about me? Right? What, what is it that you guys think? And he, Peter, I, I saw your tweet earlier. right? I saw you tweet like hanging with Jesus, just watching him do his thing. Hashtag miracles for days. Right? I saw that. It was like, James, I know that you took a selfie with that crowd of 5,000 as if you brought all of those people together. Right? I know what you guys are doing. John, I know you took a picture of the, the fish and the loaves and, and put it on Facebook, best lunch ever. Right? I, I, know, I know what you guys are doing with that, but what do you guys really think? How committed to me are you guys? And they all look at Jesus and they all said, Jesus, we are all in. We're completely committed to you. We're not fans of you, Jesus. We are followers. And so here's what Jesus said. Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be my follower, this is huge. I want to stop here because I want to make sure we understand this. Jesus isn't commanding anybody in this, right? There's, There's no guilt trip here. This isn't like the the holidays when relatives come over and and you get that relative that says, I hope you like it. I spent the last three months knitting this crochet reindeer turtleneck for you, right? And you're wearing it and then you're getting a rash and you're like, oh, I love it, right? There's no guilt trip here on this. In the the New American Standard Bible, it, it translates it this way. It says, if anyone wishes, if anyone wishes, right? This is completely your choice. Jesus says, hey, if you're in, If you're really in, if you choose to be in, to be a follower of me, then let me show you what that's going to require. Verse 23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Let's unpack that a little bit. Here's the first part. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Here's what Jesus meant when he said, deny yourself. He means that you need to let go. Let go of your selfish desires. Let go of your earthly security. Self is no longer in charge. God is in charge of your life. See, Jesus isn't saying, because some people misunderstand this passage and and think think this. Jesus isn't saying that you need to give up your self-esteem, that you need to stop caring about your life. You have no self-dignity. You have no self-worth, right? You just give everything away and stop caring about yourself. That's not what Jesus is saying at all. In fact, what Jesus is saying, he's asking us to give up something so that we can get something even better. And I think of it like an Olympic athlete. An Olympic athlete is willing to give up their rights for a coach's leadership in their life. When the coach says it's time to, to rest, it's time to sleep, you will sleep this many hours, that's what the athlete does. When the coach says, this is what you're gonna eat and how often you're gonna eat and how many calories you're gonna eat, that's what the athlete does. When the coach says, this is when you'll practice and how you'll practice, that's what the athlete does. When the coach says, these are your goals, that's the goals that the athlete begins to own as their own. See, Jesus is asking us to set aside aside our own desires and to own his desires for our lives. Now, I know some of you right now are going, hold on, hold on, hold on, Donnie. I'm gonna check out right here, right? Because no one is gonna tell me how to live. No one's gonna tell me what to do in my life. And I totally get that. Because nobody wants to be told what to think. Nobody wants to be told how to feel. Nobody wants to be told what to do in our lives. See, I think the problem is is that our our reference point is off. Our reference point are are people in our lives that are constantly telling us what to do and and how to live our lives and what they want for us. Maybe maybe you get that from your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe you get that at, at work from your boss. Maybe you get that from your parents, no matter what age you are. See, they don't have necessarily your best interest in mind. They have their agenda. They have what it is, what they want to see accomplished and, and it's left a, a bitter taste in your mouth. But what if you could trust that God, the God who created everything, the God who knows everything, has your best interest in mind? What if you could trust that Jesus who made you, who gave you the personality that you have and the passions that you have, the gifts and the talents and the abilities, and, and, and has given you goals and, and a plan for your life that you and you alone can fulfill, Right, who will give you the greatest life that you could ever imagine. What if you could trust that? See, an athlete has dreams. An athlete has, has talents. They have goals, but their coach guides them so that they can be the best that they can be. And that's what Jesus wants to do in our lives. That's what Jesus wants to do through you. I read a story uh, from a pastor and it said this. A few years ago, I was pretty deep into some tribal areas of Africa. When I finished preaching a message to the crowd of a dozen people, I presented the gospel and the invitation to follow Jesus. There were two young men, probably in their 20s, who accepted Christ and committed to follow him. The following afternoon, these two men showed up at the house where we were staying. They each carried a good-sized bag over their shoulder. I went over and asked the local missionary we were staying with why they were here. He explained that these two men would no longer be welcomed by their families or in their village. When I heard that, I was afraid that maybe this was gonna be more than they would be willing to go along with. And about that time, the missionary said to me, they knew this would happen when they made their decision to follow Jesus. They were choosing Jesus over their families. They were choosing Jesus over convenience and over comfort. Fans fans don't do that, right? That's what a follower does. A follower is willing to deny themselves and to say, I choose Jesus. Jesus. I choose Jesus over my family. I choose Jesus over money. I choose Jesus over my my career goals. I choose Jesus over getting drunk on the weekend. I choose Jesus over looking at porn. I choose Jesus over a redecorated house. I choose Jesus over my freedom. I choose Jesus over what anybody else thinks or even says about me. I am completely his. A follower makes a a decision every single day to deny himself. And to choose Jesus, even if it costs everything. Here's the second part. Jesus then says, Take up their cross daily. See, it will cost you to follow Jesus. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to cover that up. I'm not going to minimize this. And I know some churches do, and I get it. I get it because we don't want to scare people away, right? And so sometimes it's easier just to talk about the good parts of a relationship with God, but not, not here. We don't do that here. See, our mission is to love people where they are and to encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. We can't encourage you to grow if you don't know what it is that God's word says about this. And following Jesus is a big deal. In fact, Jesus says there's a double meaning that Jesus has when He says, "Take up their cross daily." The first is that we need to be willing to follow Jesus to the death, if necessary. Now, let me put that in context, right? We need to understand. We need to understand this. Jesus knows that in a short period of time that he is gonna go to the cross. He knows that he is going to give his life, to sacrifice his life for the salvation of the world. Jesus knows that that's about to happen to him. Jesus also knows that his 12 disciples that are hanging out there, that they're going to die for what it is they believe in as well. And so part of this needs to be our understanding of the immediate context of who Jesus is talking to. But this is very, very relevant to us today. Jesus is asking for your entire life life. Here's the second part, though. Jesus also means in this statement that we need to die to our selfish ambitions and to our selfish desires. See, Jesus is clear. This isn't just a a once and for all decision. Right? We don't get to, to pick and choose the things that we want to do in following Jesus. I'll go to church, but, but I don't want to tithe. right? Uh, I'll, I'll read my Bible, but I'm not going to forgive that person that hurt me. We don't get that option. It's not about our convenience. It's not about what's easy for us. It's a daily decision to die to ourselves and to live for Christ. Think of it this way. Think of your life as, as this $100 bill. Okay. And so when you come to this moment where, where you give yourself to God, it's, it's like giving him all of you, right? You give this hundred dollar bill to him and, and he accepts it. And that's what most of us think. And, 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 and that's not necessarily wrong, right? I don't want to take away from that moment of salvation because that moment of salvation in our lives is the most important decision. It's the most important moment in all of our lives. But I want you to think of it this way right, that we take our life and we say, God, here it is, right, I'm going to give you all of my life, and Jesus accepts it, God accepts it, but he he says this, hold on, I got a a condition though, Donnie, I want you to take all of that, and I want you to cash it in, and I want you to, to get it in pennies, I want you to give all of yourself to me, but I want you to give it to me a penny at a time, a daily decision to die to yourself, What's it look like to deny yourself? What's it look like to die to yourself every day? For some of us, maybe it means spending our lunch hour serving food to the homeless at a shelter down the street from your office. Maybe it means for some of you talking to your neighbor, or when you're talking to your neighbor this week, instead of playing it safe and instead of staying comfortable in that conversation, you're going to introduce Jesus into the conversation. For some of us, dying to ourselves means changing our vacation plans. And instead of taking the kids to Disney next year, we're gonna take a family trip to our Agape campus in, in Haiti. And we're gonna serve and we're gonna meet the needs of people there. For some of us, maybe dying to ourselves, maybe it means walking past that empty room in your house and asking God, is there a, a child that we need to, to adopt from another country? Or is there a foster child right here in our country, right here in our, in our city that needs to be sleeping in that bed? For some of us, maybe dying to yourself means that you selflessly love that spouse that has cheated you out of the marriage that you dreamed of all of your life. See, an Olympic athlete models this. It's a a daily sacrifice. They don't decide the week before, right, that they should probably start training. I'm going to be competing next week. I should probably do some push-ups or something, right? They're training for years, but they're training every single day. In my office, I have a, a palette on my wall and it's, uh, it's got some, some quotes on it, some piece of paper uh, from books and authors and different things and that remind me of ways that I wanna live my life and how I, I wanna make decisions. And one of them for me is a daily reminder and it's, it's, my, it's my, um, my, my definition, I guess, of 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty one, And it simply is three words and it just says, I die daily. It's just a reminder to me. It's not about what I do. It's about me giving up my life to Jesus every single day. Here's the last part. We deny ourselves, we, we, we carry the cross daily, and then the last is that Jesus says to follow me. See, it's only by dying to ourselves daily that we're able to follow Jesus. And what that means is it's a desire for us in our lives to become more and more like him. That his life, his teachings, his attitudes, his behaviors, right, the way that he lived his life, that's what I'm going to pattern my life after. I'm gonna do what I alone was created to do, but I'm gonna do it in relationship with Jesus. Verse 24 says this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. So it's only by denying ourselves, by dying to ourselves daily and choosing to follow Jesus that we're truly going to find the life that every single one of us is searching for. When we let go of our lives and, and, and we find real life in, in Jesus. I love what um, Kyle Eidemann wrote this about that. He said, we think that such a decision would make us miserable. Is that what it means to, to follow Jesus? We wake up in the morning and commit to misery. But when we die to ourselves and completely surrender to him, there is a surpassing side effect of dying. We discover true life. And in a twist of irony, we find that giving up our lives gives us the life we so desperately wanted all along. I know I've shared this, this verse with you before. It's one of my favorite in the Bible. It's one verse, two sentences that Jesus said. But for me, this is so powerful in describing how valuable God is in my life and how I should live in response to it. Matthew 13, says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. There's two promises in here about losing your life or selling your life or, or, or giving it all away. The first is that the treasure that you find in a relationship with Jesus Christ is worth infinitely more than anything else you could ever achieve on your own. See, we, we try, don't we? We try to hold on to stuff. We try to, I don't care if you're the richest person that has ever walked the face of this earth, it will pale in comparison to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's the second truth in this, the second promise is that this is the source of joy in our life. I love this. The joy doesn't come after, the joy actually comes. It says that, that when he found the treasure, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had. The joy actually comes in giving all of us away because we recognize that what we get in return in that relationship with Jesus is far greater, far greater than anything we could ever accomplish on our own. Verse 25. So what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? So that's the question that we face today, every single one of us. Becoming a follower of Jesus is a, it's a choice. It's a choice, but it's going to cost you everything. But here's the incredible part. The rewards are so much greater than what it is that you will give up. Following Jesus, the way he described, the way he described is the only way to a winning life. I I love this passage that we just looked at um, from the message translation, and it says this. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run from suffering, but embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? See, since following Jesus the way he described is is really the only way to a a winning life, here's what we're gonna do over the next five weeks. We're gonna talk about some, some things in our lives That the Bible teaches us that we as individuals, that we each need to not only have, but we need to be growing in every single day of our lives. We don't get to pick and choose. We don't get to choose the ones that are easy or the ones that we're comfortable with. These are gonna be five aspects that the Bible teaches us that are gonna be marks of a winning life. And then when we do these things, we will be growing as individuals. But here's the amazing part too. It's not just about us growing as individuals. We will grow as a church and together, we're going to be able to fulfill our mission and our vision, just like an Olympic athlete. When they compete, they compete for themselves. They set their goals. They try to be the best that they can be. But whatever they achieve contributes to the country as a whole. And that's what we're going to talk about in the rest of this series. To prepare you for that, I just want to talk to the three audiences um, that are here today. And, uh, and, and wherever you are, you're probably going to fit into one of these three categories. The first is you may be here and saying, but Donnie, I'm, I'm not a follower of Jesus, I'm, I'm not a Christian. Here's what I would say to you. Please come back. Please come back for the next five weeks because I want you to hear these five aspects, these five characteristics, these five marks of what it means to, to follow Jesus with your life. And I know some of you are here because you were forced to be here. You're hoping that your, your grounding will get lifted or, or she really is that cute that you actually came to, to church today for that. I, I get that, I get that. But for some of you, I know, some of you are here and you're seriously checking out this whole God thing. You're saying there's gotta be more to life than just this, right? Because I've tried to find it in all kinds of different ways and nothing satisfies, nothing lasts. There's something in my life that's missing. And if it's Jesus, then I wanna know what it's gonna cost me. And that's legit. Here's what it's gonna cost you. It's gonna cost you about an hour a week for the next five weeks so that you can come and you can hear about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does that look like? And then you can decide if that's what you wanna commit your life to. Maybe for some of you, you're here today and you're like, Donnie, I don't, don't wanna wait five weeks. Right? God's doing something in my life. I, I know that I need a relationship with Jesus and I wanna start that today. That's fantastic. Right? There, there is no greater place to be. There, there's no greater decision you can make in your life. And we would love to talk with you today. Either someone at our, our Next Steps area, one of the pastors, we would love to spend time with you today. Don't leave without, without talking to someone about what does that look like today and how can I know for sure that I have this relationship with God. For some of us, we're here, and 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 maybe after hearing this, we're kind of going, "Yeah, I'm probably fall more into that fan category." I remember reading an article several years ago. I love this article. Um, it was about a, a new group of vegetarians, right? Uh, f- several years ago, and um, they interviewed one of them, one of the, the people in this group, and, and uh, this was her quote that captured the viewpoint of this this group of, of vegetarians, and she said, "This, I usually eat vegetarian." but I really like sausage. <laughs> that, was, that was her quote, right? That, that, that was her deal. And so she represents this growing number of people who eat vegetarian, but they make some exceptions, right? They, just have, they, they don't eat meat unless they, unless they really like it. And then, and then they're okay eating meat. And so as you can imagine, the vegetarians were not very happy with this group, right, the true vegetarians. And so they pressured them to change their name. And so here's the name that they chose for themselves. I love this. They called themselves flexitarians flexitarians, right? That's what they were, flexitarians. And, and I love that word because I think that's such, such a good word that describes how many of us approach our relationship with Jesus. I really like Jesus, but I don't really like serving the poor. I'm willing to go to church, but, but don't ask for anything. Don't ask for my money. Don't ask for my time, right? My resources are already spoken for in other areas. I, I like Jesus, but I, I'm not going to save sex for marriage, I love Jesus, but don't ask me to forgive that person that hurt me. I love Jesus. I'm, I'm just not 100 percent committed. See, for some of us we're here, and we would call ourselves Christians, and we, we thought we were followers of Jesus, but we make exceptions in our lives. And so for some of us, for some of us, maybe we're in a place today where we recognize, you know what? Maybe I'm more of a fan than I am a, a follower. I'll associate with Jesus. I'll cheer Jesus on, right? But I don't, I don't want to get dirty. I don't want to get sweaty. I, I want to kind of stay on the sidelines. I, I don't really want to play. I just would rather watch. And here's the deal. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. There, there, there's no point. That's not my goal at all because guilt doesn't change anything. God doesn't want you to feel guilty. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. Change doesn't come from feeling guilty. But maybe, maybe today, maybe throughout this series, Maybe God wants to convict you that there's more to following him than what's happening in your life right now. And so would you just pray? Would you reflect this week? And God, why is it that I'm holding parts of my life back from you? Here's a question I would ask. What, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Is it possible that there is a treasure out there that is far greater than what it is that you're trying to hold to right now? And for some of us, For some of us, we're here and and we would say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not perfect, but I'm doing my best to to die to myself daily. The question I would ask to you is this, who can you invite with you? Who can you invite with you in in this journey? A few weeks ago, one of our high school ministry directors, Logan McElroy from our, our Morrisville campus, sent an email out to all of our staff, and I asked the student if I could share it with you guys, and here's what he wrote. He said, I wanted to share a pretty incredible story with you really quickly. In two and a half weeks, I get the honor of leading a team of our HSM students to Haiti. Well, this week, my team came to the harsh realization that they were not really close to their fundraising goal. So a fire has been lit under them, and we're finally starting to see some movement on the fundraising front. Praise the Lord. But here's the cool part. We have one student, Haley, who has really been struggling. Her parents are not believers and haven't been the most supportive, so her network of people to reach out to about donations is just smaller. However, Haley is an avid fan of anime. She goes to an anime conference every year and there's a Facebook group for those people. So she posted her missions donation link in that group. Most of the people in that group have no affiliation with Christianity at all. In fact, most would probably say that they're opposed to Christianity. So her link was removed before far too long. However, about an hour ago, she received this. Look at this picture on the screen. Incredibly, someone anonymously donated $500 toward her goal because of her bravery in posting that. Isn't that cool what they wrote? Brave to post on the AZ forum. I hope you never lose that bravery for Christ and that this adventure is as transformative for you as it is helpful to the people you minister to. That team just returned um, last week. But that's how a follower lives. They're willing to take risks to live obediently. They're willing to work with others and to sacrifice their reputation for Jesus. They're willing to sacrifice their time and their money to serve him. They share how Jesus has changed their life and they invite others into that same relationship. Over the course of this series, we're gonna give you each week an action step of how you can begin to, to live out your relationship with Christ, how you can be a follower of him. I'm excited for it. And I challenge you to come back wherever you are and just ask and pray, God, what is it that you wanna show me? What's my next step in this journey with you? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your incredible love. God, that you chose us is absolutely amazing. And Father, although my life sometimes, most of the time, feels like, like that video that we show where I just feel like I'm, I'm falling down all the time and I feel like things are breaking around me and, and I feel like I, I mess up far more than I, I get things right. God, I'm so grateful that you love me, and that through a relationship with your son, that I know that I have life. And so God, I pray wherever we are in this journey, I pray that you will help us through this series to take steps to become a follower of you. Father, to commit ourselves to you wholeheartedly and recognize that the treasure that is found in a relationship with you is far greater than anything we can ever accomplish on our own. And so it makes it easy. It makes it actually a place where we can have joy in being able to deny ourselves and to carry our cross daily and to follow you with our lives. God, we thank you for your amazing grace, for your amazing love in our lives. And it's in your name we pray, amen.